0: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
1: Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. It's a smaller crew today. Just uh, Ryan Kennedy and myself, Edward Fraser. Uh, got rid of Ken. I got yeah, rid man. of Matt. Next week, I'm going to get rid of you. It's just going to be you. And it will just be... I'll be like... I'll be like Doctor Jacoby from Twin Peaks, just sitting here selling my golden shovels to the masses. Hockey News branded golden shovels. I was gonna Steven, say. I was gonna say Andy Rooney. Stephen. Oh, I can be Andy Rooney too. Stephen place an order for golden shovels. Yeah. Okay, he's on it. You ever wonder about hockey? Um. Why, think, why is it so cold? You know, last. I think last week I actually <laughs> fr- forgot to introduce who we are. Oh really. So people were probably wondering who we are. But guy, now they don't. Guy they don't number know. one. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Kuznetsov, got to start there. Sure. Uh, suspended four years by the IIHF for uh, cocaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, bleh, positive testing. Yeah, We'll get that out of the way early. Um, Ryan, what does it mean for his NHL career?
0: In the short term, nothing really. Uh, sounds like he's working with the NHL. And from my understanding in a general sense not related to Kuznetsov specifically but you know the NHL doesn't necessarily ban cocaine use obviously it is illegal
1: it's not on their banned substance list
0: it's not on the banned substance list it's obviously illegal in North America but it's not a performance enhancing drug and if you have a positive test you're not necessarily going to get into trouble but If it happens more than once, you know, somebody from the NHL might sort of come to you and your team and say, is there a problem here? Is this something that you can deal with? Do you need to be in the substance abuse program that the NHL and the union uh, work together on? So it you know it sounds like Kuznetsov is receptive to whatever he needs to do, Um, but yeah, in the grand scheme of things, uh, it's obviously embarrassing for him, and I'm sure he will uh, be pretty forthright about this once the season begins and things get rolling. Um, But yeah, in terms of the NHL, nothing really concrete.
1: To me, it's it's uh, you know they're saying all the right things. Kuznetsov office come out and said, you know, he's going to seek treatment and yada, 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 all that stuff. Every, all the right things are being said at this moment. I didn't realize until this came out that cocaine was not on the banned substance list. Right. Um, it surprised me a little bit. And to me, yeah. I think it's a bit of a black mark on the NHL. I don't know the reason it's not, to be honest. Mm. It seems uh, all the bands of this list is part of the collective bargaining. That's collectively bargained. Yeah. Um, can't imagine why it wasn't on there. But to me, it comes out and it, it's, the, you know, there is there could be disciplinary things. Levied by the NHL I guess if they figured they needed to mm-hmm. but it to me. It's just it's it, it just doesn't look good on the NHL I that they it. really don't have much of a recourse against this.
0: Yeah, and you know, I did an article a while ago about uh, you know, NHLers and and marijuana and you know in the course of those conversations one recently retired player told me like yeah the NHL they don't care about fun drugs mm-hmm. quote-unquote fun drugs um, and and uh, Whatever that reason is, I'm not really sure what the logic is, but that's how it is. Because they have a long history of using them. <laughs> I guess.
1: <they're laughs> and that's the truth. I mean, the, the jokes were around. I mean, going back to the 80s. And oh, yeah. I, absolutely. Anybody who doesn't think that hockey players Party. embody, they're being <laughs> foolish. Yeah. And I'm sure that that's a big reason for it. And I'm sure that there's a wink and a nudge uh, during the collective bargaining agreement that just leave this on the table. Cocaine ain't going to help you play hockey better. Marijuana's not going to help you play hockey better. Um, So just leave it off. And then, you know, if it ever comes up on a positive test, we'll deal with it then.
0: Yeah. Now, my concern would be you get a Len Bias situation. You know, the famous NBA draft pick who, you know, as the story goes tried cocaine once and overdosed yeah. before his NBA career even started. Um, but, I mean, putting that on the banned list, is that really going to stop something? If a oh, I'm not saying like put it that, on the banned yeah. list. I'm saying if I'm an NHL player, maybe I don't do coke because you never know don't. what's going to happen. At Kids. least with, like, marijuana. I mean, I guess somebody could spike the marijuana with LSD or something like that. <laughs> but if you're getting it from, you know, a reputable source You know There are different American Marijuana states Marijuana is now legal In a lot of states Yeah And in, in Canada, and in Canada. Yeah. So it's like You could get it sure. from You could get Government sanctioned yeah. weed Yeah um, <laughs> I, I understand that Because you know There's There's the uh, The stress relieving properties There's the pain relief yeah. Properties and, and obviously A lot of NHLers Do partake uh, Because it You know It helps their bodies um, With cocaine I, I don't really see The same uh, You know Pay off,
1: there. I, 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 yeah. I,
0: I have never myself tried the drug.
1: Nor I. Um, but I can't really see from talking with those who have how it would improve your hockey game. No. If you have, please send us a tweet. Because I'd
0: like to see. Cocaine at thehockeynews.com. <laughs> hashtag
1: hashtag uh, cocaine hockey. Hashtag who likes to party. Uh, Bill Guerin, in as the GM of Minnesota. <laughs> Indeed. after After... Uh, Uh, A little rough patch there, um, I'd say, in the management system. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Things are not looking great in Minnesota. Um, Is Bill Guerin the right guy to get this team back on track?
0: Well, it's funny because when they hired Paul Fenton, I thought, yeah, that's a good guy. He had a great track record in Nashville, and and obviously it, it didn't work out. I think Guerin can get it done, and, I mean, really, you know, He's a smart guy, been around the sport his whole life, well-respected in hockey circles, so he checks all those boxes. Um, the important thing for me is that he is an outsider. He was not part of the Minnesota Wild before he was hired. I think that's good because it gives him a fresh perspective. He's not going to have um, any players that he's you know he owes anything to or anything like that because the task in Minnesota, to me is is basically the same it's been for a couple of years now which is that this team has too much money tied up in players who are either past their prime or soon will be in the twilight years of their career and they don't have the cap space or the roster space to do a traditional rebuild or or something like that because they're they're kind of caught in the middle right now like nobody's scared of the Minnesota Wild but at the same time, they're generally a playoff team or close to it. and that's it's not a good place, but they won't be this year. probably not this year because they' the the, they're the worst is team,
1: and they're the worst team in their division.
0: Yeah, yeah. so but but it's funny because even being the worst team in the central doesn't guarantee you a top five pick in the entry draft, True. you know what I'm saying because yeah. the central is so good. So for me, you know, two things you've got, Players that if you can deal them in the next season or two, you should. Mm -hmm. Zach Parise, Ryan Suter, Mm -hmm. Victor Rask. Dubnik. Yeah, Dubnik would be an option too. Um, The other thing is that Bill Guerin needs to put together a development team and a scouting regime that can uh, make things happen either quicker or more frequently because... Here's a fun little stat that I put together. From 2013 to 2017, so a five-draft period, I'm not including the last two years, only one Minnesota draft pick has scored more than 40 points in the NHL. So think of all the players Minnesota has drafted from the year 2013 to 2017. Only one of them has more than 40 can, NHL can points. Guess? Yes, you can guess. Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck is the correct answer, and Alex Tuck plays He's for Vegas, who? The Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> so, what we have here is a bit of an issue.
1: Well, that's I, I want to read you off their top ten prospects and tell me where you think they sit amongst the league. Kirill okay. Kaprasov, Matthew Boldy, Vladislav Firstov, Louis Belpito, Capo Kakonin, yep. uh Philip Joh- Johansson, Connor Dewar, Jack McBain, Mason Shaw, and Hunter Jones. That's our top ten in yearbook. Uh right. couple of couple of blue chippers on there. Yes. But in the grand scheme of the league, for a team that's looking like it's gonna finish last, mm. seems like a system that's pretty far behind where they should be.
0: Yeah, so there's there's some good, bad, and ugly in there. So, you know, Matthew Boldy was their first rounder this year. I thought that was a very good pick. Uh, he played for that amazing NTDP squad. Um, you know, great offensive capability. He's going to be at Boston College this year as a freshman. So, you know, you, you're probably not going to see him for a couple of years while he develops, and that's fine. So I think that was a good pick. Kirill Kaprazov. I don't think we're ever going to see him in the NHL at this point. I, I'm, I'm kind of joking, um, but it's like, is he ever going to come yeah. over? Yeah. What's like, If he didn't have the motivation at this point, what's going to change in the next couple of years? And ironically, that's another job for Bill Guerin is to well, he's keep communicating the... with Kirill Kaprizov's people and Kaprizov and say, okay, so are you really coming over this yeah, time? because he's got one year d- left on his deal, right? Yeah, yeah. so it's like... You've said this before and then you just <laughs> sign an extension with another KHL team.
1: Yeah, Nikita Gusev. You think Oh, you think Kra- Kaprazov's Gusev? Thought he,
0: nobody thought he was coming over.
1: Yeah, well, ask, ask me in 40 games where they should where they should have come over.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's my worry is that Kaprazov has been over there so long yeah. and played that style. Is he going to be effective? Should we just wait for his son to become an NHL prospect? And, like, maybe he'll come over when he's, like, 20 years old? And, hey, you know, I, I mean, we were talking about Kuznetsov earlier. That's a guy that didn't come over straight away. Sure. But it wasn't that long. And It's, it's not just, like a
1: guy who's champing at the bit, though, to get over here. Right. There, there's a divide of the guys who are willing to come over and bide their time in the AHL and who you really feel like the passion is there to play at the <laughs> NHL level. And then there's yeah. the guys who are... They're kind of sitting on the fence. So you don't know
0: whether. To come yeah, and at this point, like, who knows if Kaprasov will just say, "I'll come," but I don't know if I want to play for you guys. Yeah, like, well, Gusev.
1: especially because, well, yeah, Gusev was a money thing, but um, if Minnesota is looking like the way they're going to look and probably worse next mm-hmm. year, because I'm I'm about to make a pitch for a full rebuild, totally. Why do you want to come over here play? I guess because you can play first minute lines. <clears throat> yeah, which is Sorry, good. First line, first minutes. line minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, it, it's 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 t- to me this is a team that is primed to find Bill Guerin.
0: Sell it all. Totally tear it down. T-
1: t- now is the time
0: cuz yeah. really
1: you're even you can't middle your way in the central.
0: Correct. That is a murderers row six deep and it's not getting easier. Like Colorado's on the ascent. Yes. Chicago will recover. Chicago's on their way up. Nashville's too. fine. Yep. Winnipeg's still fine. Totally. St. Louis won the cup. Yeah. That is yeah. brutal. Yeah, and just to pick up, you know, after those guys, you have some some decent players. You know, Philip Johansson is coming off a pretty tough year uh, back in Sweden. He's looking to rebound. So again, that was a, you know he was a late first rounder. They they need him to get back on track. It'd be great if he made the World Junior team. Um, you know, Jack McBain is a player that I like. I'm not sure what his NHL role will be just yet. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does also at Boston College mm-hmm. this season. Um, Shaw had a big year last year coming off the injury. Coming off the injury, yeah. So for him, it's a matter of uh, of Mason Shaw being healthy for a full pro campaign, continue to grow, you know, continue to get his game under him. So it, like I say, it's, it's a mixed bag. It's... There's potential there. Uh, the good, th- I mean, the thing Minnesota has going for them is that there are young players that are already getting experience. Luke Cunningham, um, Jordan Greenway. I've always been a fan of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joel Eriksson eck just signed an, a new contract. It's getting to the point where those guys need to take the next step. And my worry is that you still have all these veterans, the Parises, the Stalls, you know, guys like that, that can get you far enough, but is that what you want? Would you rather give Jordan Greenway a lot more time and space out there on the ice rather than win games right now? Should Luke Cunning be playing a bigger role? Yes. Should you give Joel Eriksson-Eck another chance to see if he can be that guy for you, or or is it just not going to work out? You need to answer those questions.
1: hundred percent, because that's part of evaluating. So it's yeah. to me, it's about development and evaluation. Because when Ericsson Eck came in, we were all talking like kind of two way
0: force. Totally, and he was great in junior. Like I remember seeing him at the World Junior Summer Showcase for Sweden a couple of years ago, and he dominated. Yeah. And I was like, man, Joel Ericsson is gonna be invisible awesome.
1: Invisible in the NHL so far. Yeah,
0: but you're right. There hasn't been that opportunity
1: because they've been this club that's like. We, we can still—we think we can get there. Yeah, yeah. And we can now, make the playoffs. Now it's time to realize you can't.
0: Yeah. Even if you can get in, I know St. Louis got in and went all the way, but do you really want to pin your hopes on that?
1: I, I'm I For the longest time, I was the—I I didn't believe in that. Even when L.A. happened, everybody was like, just get in, just get in. Right. Now I actually believe it because the league is 16 deep with teams who can win the Stanley Cup, which is yep. insane. But Minnesota is not getting into the playoffs.
0: Well, here's the thing. You're right, and also when you look at both Los Angeles and St. Louis this year, you could tell. I, with Los Angeles, you could tell it's like things weren't clicking. The and underlying they, numbers. Then, then they came thing. together yeah. with St. Louis. They fired their coach. They got a new starting goaltender midway through the season. So it's like, okay, well, Done. now you got two. You yeah. got a coach that gets everybody on the same page. Gets that buy-in. You get a new starting goaltender who nobody has a book on, and he's red hot, he's super calm. You know he gives you that assurance that whatever you do in front of him, he'll bail you out. And all of a sudden, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah, should have been playoff
1: MVP, by the way. That's a whole fair. We could probably do a whole podcast just on that alone. Uh, still some pretty big name UFAs out there. Uh, Jake Gardner, I think, easily leading the pack. Um, There's been reports of a handshake agreement with Toronto, surprisingly. Uh, Buffalo also been talked about. Um, What's your gut saying as far as where Jake Gardner lands? And also, second part of that question you can answer after, why has this taken so long?
0: Well, I'll answer the second part first. Uh, I, I think teams are worried about his back. And... If you look at Jake Gardner, obviously his strengths come with his skating, the way he can move the puck up the ice. And if he can't do that, then you have a very limited player. It's funny, you know, in the playoffs this year, because of his back and because of his limitations, I thought he was actually not too bad because (laughs) all the risk evaporated. It was sort of like, you know, it's like when he was out there, it's like, okay, I'm going to get the puck, I'm going to move the puck, not going to try to do anything crazy. It's going to be simple, it's going to be boring, yeah. but it was like safe. you know. Now, here's the thing. You don't pay a safe player the same amount you pay a high-risk, high-reward player who could maybe get you 50, 55 points from the back end if all things are going well. Sure. Jake Gardner, you know, playoff Jake Gardner, when he was hurt, that guy's only getting you like 20 points. Yeah. And he's not playing the same amount of that, minutes.
1: That's a $2, 2500000 million dollar player.
0: Yeah, so this is the problem is, I'm sure Jake Gardner's team is saying, you've seen what this guy can do when he's 100% healthy. This is what he deserves. And teams are saying, okay, is he that guy or is the back going to flare up? We're a little worried because there's a salary cap and it's the end of the summer and we only have so much money to deal sure. with. So, you know, I mean, Buffalo and Toronto are, are both interesting options. And I, I really think it comes down to price point, especially with the Leafs, because obviously we know that... You know, the cap is something that they're dealing with right now, especially since Mitch Marner is yet to sign. Mm -hmm. Um, If they can get Gardner for a song on a one-year prove-it deal, then yeah, totally do it. Why not? Especially because Travis Dermott is going to be injured to start the season. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, you trade him once Dermott gets back healthy. I think Buffalo, you know... It all depends on what happens with Rasmus Tristelainen as well. They kind of have too many defense right now, and they have to figure that out. But having said that, I don't think he'd be a bad option there. What do you
1: think about Colorado? That was a team that I kind of thought that would have been a good fit for Gardner. Um, You know, solid young defense core, but still questions going in. Yeah. Um, You know, Makar being there, Gerard being there, um, who else? Eric Johnson... Uh, Zadorov. Zadorov, Ian Cole, yeah, mm. like I, I, feel like the, you know, lower end is does it doesn't have a lot of pop to it, mm. um, but I feel like Colorado would be a good fit for for Gardner.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump the queue here because we have a couple of UFAs that we're gonna discuss that are on the, uh, the roster here, and the second one is Ben Hutton. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Ben Hutton for Colorado, yeah, uh, because he's a little safer than Gardner and he's probably cheaper, um, and you can put him on the third pairing and that's fine. I think. Because you have Makar and Girard up front right now who are so good at moving the puck, you don't really need Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Colorado, especially because they also have Bowen Byram coming up, they have Connor oh, Timmins. Yeah. you know those guys aren't necessarily going to be ready this season. Yep. But maybe as soon as next season they will be. So I don't think you want to go all in on a gardener. But I Gardner, mean if you do it one year, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, maybe, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But it, again, the price has to be right. Sure. And you stick them on the third pairing. and you know you sort of you live with the mistakes, but you're happy with the fact that you can have puck rushers on all three of your pairings. You go Makar, Gerard Gardner. That's pretty nice. The other guy we want to talk about was Thomas Vanek. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's kind of an intriguing wild card. Totally. Like a, a guy who I think he gets, I mean, wh- whoever he signs with, he's going to get traded at the trade deadline.
0: Yes. Because that's what happens with Thomas Vanek. Maybe even before him. Um,
1: <laughs> but he's a guy who's still got 40 points on his stick, I think. And in the right situation, um, you know, probably none of the contenders are going to get him because I, I can't imagine him signing a super sweetheart deal. Right, And all the contenders are pretty much cap maxed at this point. Uh, but a team like Columbus, yeah, why not overpay that guy? I mean, you know him.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. I, I had Columbus as one of mine as well, where you lost a bunch of offense over the summer. You know, you've got some kids coming up the ranks, uh, but you don't want to make a so you don't want to make a big commitment. But you want a guy who's been around and, like you said, can score. Sure. Thomas Vannick's the guy. He's that's the like guy. that's like he's the guy. That's what he does these totally. days, right? The other ne- the other team I was thinking of was Arizona. That's the other, yeah, totally. Yeah. So they get Phil Kessel. That's your that's your marquee guy. That's your sniper right there. You know, you, you look for a rebound year from Clayton Keller, but in general, Arizona's got a lot of younger players still finding their way. Who you know they have talent, and we'll see what they can do. But you bring in Thomas Vanek and all of a sudden some of those young guys have to work a little bit harder in training camp to make sure that they actually make the cut and don't head back down to Tucson or have to go through the waiver wire. So all of a sudden, you know, your Connor Garland's, your Nick Merkley's, your Christian Dvorak's, uh, you know, even Christian Fisher. I mean, they're all different kinds of forwards, but you toss Thomas Vanek in there and not only does he present some good internal competition, but as we've seen the past couple of years, this is the kind of veteran that you just plunk into a team. He can be a pretty good guy in the room. You know, the young guys can talk to him about going through the ringer in the NHL, you know, getting moved, figuring out how you can fit into a team pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think Vanek has a lot to give in that respect. And for a team like Arizona that has, you know, an, an up-and-coming coach in Rick it, um, but you know, I, I feel like leadership is something that you can never have too much of, especially when you're 100%. trying to get your way up. Yeah as the Coyotes are, I think Vanek would work in, in either Arizona or Columbus, I, albeit for different reasons. I, those are both great markets.
1: Um, we, we we're kind of planning out our, our prospects on limited edition, and I was thinking about our, our far too early mock draft. Yes. Uh, that, that's part of that edition. Um, you know, you've know, you obviously started thinking about your, your prospects, your top prospects for the year, but I, I wanted to know if there was anybody off that list who you kind of, as you're looking at them and evaluating them, who you think this is a guy who's got real potential to be a high-riser. He might be sitting down low, but this is a guy who I think as the season goes along has maybe top 12, top 10, or even maybe higher potential.
0: Yeah, and I did do a top 31 for the website last week, so uh, you know you can check that out on thehockeynews.com. And it's, it's an interesting time of year because we've seen a couple of summer tournaments and, you know, you, you get the players that you, you kind of know who's going to be around the first round already. But there's, there's a couple that are intriguing to me because I tend to be very conservative with my rankings. So there's players that, at least in my mind, I need to see more of before I, I really boost them up. And uh, I'll just mention three really quickly. The first is Antonio Strangis, uh, who plays for the London Knights. This kid is just incredible with his hands. I mean, high-end offensive capabilities. Now, he's going to need to do a lot more in terms of numbers this year, but that's not surprising with him being on the Knights because London is pretty much always a contender in the OHL. They've always got NHL prospects, and you kind of have to wait your turn. So with Strangest, he probably didn't do as much last year as he thought he would, but that's okay because this is his draft year. He can start to get a bigger role and he can prove himself. Now, if he can do that, then, you know, I think I had him kind of mid first round. He can probably work his way up maybe into the top 10 just because he has that high end skill. Is he a center? He's a winger. Okay. Yeah. Um, the next one is Tim Stutzel from Germany. Plays for the same Adler Mannheim program that Moritz Cider played for uh, the Detroit Red Wings first round, who kind of shocked the world going as early as he did in 2019. Uh, Stutzel, he could come over to Major Junior. Uh, I believe it was Seattle in the WHL that grabbed his rights, um, but I believe he's going to stay in Mannheim play against men. This will be a great year because Germany is in the top tier of the World Juniors. They got promoted. So he'll be playing against Canada and Russia and all those fun teams. Lots and of scouting eyeballs. On a him. lot of scouting eyeballs. And that German team will probably be pretty good because you'll have Sider. You'll also have Dominic Bach, the St. Louis Blues first rounder. There'll be some other guys, too, that are either in draft contention or you know they were pretty close. Um, so, right now, I have Stutzel somewhere in the 20s, but as we saw with Cider, you know, hey, I mean, these Just takes kids, one team to like them. Just yeah. takes one team. The last one I'll mention, uh, probably the most controversial on my list, because I had him lower than I think some other places might have, is Noel Gundler, uh, who's a winger in Sweden. A lot of goal scoring potential. Um, you know, put up really nice numbers last year. But I feel like there's some questions about the all-around game and and putting it all together. So I had him in the 20s, uh, early 20s, but he could certainly be uh, in that top 15, maybe even top 10. It's a really good year for Sweden because you have the Terror Twins, Alex Holtz and Lucas Raymond. They could be numbers two and three. Mm. Um, You know, hey, maybe even one, two, depending on how the year shakes out, although Alexi Lafreniere is probably going to be number one. Uh, You also have Zion Nybeck coming from Sweden as well. He's a pretty good player too. So with Gundler... I just need to see more. I need more track record. I need to talk to scouts about how they feel about him because he hasn't always been great internationally. He hasn't always been brought to tournaments Mm. internationally. So I want to dig a little more into him. Um, But he certainly has the talent to go a lot higher. The reason I was asking about
1: positioning was because, if I overheard you correctly, it could be a year where maybe a center makes a bit of a jump because as deep as, as the top 10 is with talent, not a lot of top quality centers within that group.
0: It's true. Like Quentin Byfield's the number one center in the draft. And then you got Anton Lundell. And then in terms of top 10, that's kind of it right now. I think, you know, maybe a case can be made for Dylan Holloway, who plays in the AJHL. And he's a fantastic skater and he's got a pretty good frame on him. So I think he has that kind of like Dylan Cousins profile to him. So it's just a matter of now, you know, proving it. Having an amazing year. He's a late birthday, so you know you kind of have to do a little bit more. Um, but I, I really like Dylan Holloway, so we'll see. He's played both center and wing, but from my understanding, he'll probably play more center, at least you know in in junior A and and probably once he gets to college as well, because he is college committed. Um, but yeah, I, it might be one of those years where a player who we think is more in that second tier is. Uh, bumped up because they are a center a center uh
1: sticking with the young guys this time kind of nhl bound young guys not only from our yearbook which is looking pretty sweet this year actually it's beautiful one of six covers that our amazing art director shay i've known the guy for 13 years berenci
0: the berenci bears
1: <laughs> still don't know how to pronounce his last name shay b shay b uh fantastic covers of the whole book uh, really proud I think it turned out great. Um, we got uh, top 10 rookies to watch in there, as well as we got a rookie for each of the 31 teams to watch and talk about some more, guys, in our uh, Need to Know edition, which is going to be coming out um, later in September. Um, Which are the rookies, though, that you're the most excited about getting a good look at this year?
0: Well, I'm going to go with kind of a category to okay. begin with, and that's defensemen. This is a very intriguing rookie class because there are so many high-end blue liners who are going to be full-time NHLers. Cale McCarr, we saw what he did with Colorado in the playoffs, but for me, he's the Calder front runner,
1: Unanimous pick
0: in the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our staff. Vote. So you got Cale McCarr, you got Quinn Hughes, who looked pretty nice in his tryout with Vancouver. He'll be full-time with the Canucks. You got Eric Brandstrom uh, in Ottawa. I talked to Jim Pierre Dorian over the summer uh, in Michigan, and he was saying, you know, like it, like there are spots available on that blue line. Brandstrom, if he can seize one, it, it can be his right off the hop. And if, if it's not right away, then obviously at some point in the season, they will bring him up from AHL Belleville, but he could be there all 82 games. Um, and then you also have Adam Fox with the New York Rangers. Coming off an amazing college career, uh, had his rights passed on to a couple of different teams. Uh, obviously, he preferred the Rangers. So that's very exciting for New York fans that he wanted to be there. So it's interesting to me how many good defensive prospects there are who could legitimately go for the Calder because they all have that offensive component to their game. Like these are all defensemen that could put up, you know, like legit like 40, 50 points. In their rookie seasons, and that's that's a tall order because if you think about some of the Calder races in recent years, like even the best forwards only had kind of like sixty points. So for a defenseman, that'd be pretty hot. And then obviously, you know, the other sort of subsection is Jack Hughes versus Capo Caco. It's gonna be such a fun rivalry because uh, you know they both bring so much excitement to the ice in different ways. One's with the New Jersey Devils. One's with the New York Rangers. It's like a perfect rivalry and they're just like fun kids to talk to they're fun to watch play and um it'll be exciting to see what they can do
1: the one guy i do want to talk about is ryan poling bailing yes bailing polling. uh people freaking out after the hat trick <laughs> but pump the brakes
0: eh Well, it's funny. It's like pump the brakes because that's not really what he's all about. He can do more than score, and that's why he's pretty intriguing. He's he's a very good two-way center. Um, He played in that Da Beauty League in Minnesota (laughs) this summer, and I was actually talking to Brock Besser for the magazine the other day, and I asked him about Palin because they played on the same team, and and he had— High praise for the kid. He was like, "Yeah, he's a big, tall center. Sees the ice so well. Um, you know, he's going to be a tremendous NHLer." And I agree. I think you know, Paling has developed the right way. Uh, you know, went to college early so that he could play with his brothers at Saint Cloud, and playing tougher competition at an early age, I think, really helped him. And he's been really good. The other player that, you know, I mean, we only had so much space in that article, but Nick Suzuki, Mm. I'm really intrigued to see what kind of camp he has in Montreal because he was unstoppable in the OHL playoffs. I mean, the Memorial Cup was a a bit of a different story. It's always tough because it's a short tournament and you're coming off, you know, the emotional high of winning your title in your own league. But, I mean, I watched him in in that OHL final, and he helped take out the Ottawa 67s, who were, like, the best team. And they were undefeated in the playoffs until they went up against the Guelph Storm Mm -hmm. in that final. And Nick Suzuki's top line was just incredible. And, again, it's the two-way game. Like, Suzuki obviously has great offensive elements, but he can also be that shutdown guy because he's so smart and he has so much attention to detail that he'll just snuff you out. And so with Paling and Suzuki, that's a really fun competition that Montreal has on their hands internally for the next couple of seasons. It's crazy
1: every year. I mean, we keep talking about Young Man's League, Young Man's League, young man's league and, and every year the crop of rookies coming in gets more and more exciting, it seems. Like. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, mailbag time. Uh, Steven, cue up that uh, Mailbag theme song, if you would. <laughs> Thought... Not bad. Don't have a song? Oh, my God. Steven!
0: Come on. It was supposed to be Prince, but it was too expensive.
1: (laughs) The artist formerly known as Prince? That's right. Uh, Emile Lajoie, or LeJoie Emile,
0: asks, which NHL coaches are on the hot seat to begin the season? I hate to cop out on this, but I don't think any are. And here's the reason why. There are so many new coaches. Yeah. Like, I think a third of the league are close to it. Got new coaches, and then you have you know the last cohort that's only been around for kind of like a couple of years where you got to give those guys a bit of leash. Totally. So, what you're looking at is veterans, and I, I don't see a lot. I mean, if Winnipeg gets off to a terrible start, are there rumblings about Paul Maurice, or does Paul Maurice have so much goodwill built up? That Jets ownership and Kevin Chevaldeo, the GM, say uh, he'll work his way through mm-hmm. it. Is it Jeff Blashell? How much is he supposed to have done in Detroit? They're rebuilding, yeah. right? You got a new GM in Steve Eiserman, and hypothetically, Eiserman could want to go with quote unquote his guy. But again, the Red Wings are still rebuilding, they're still building up that pipeline. Bringing in a guy to take you to the next level doesn't make sense just yet. Is it Mike Babcock in Toronto? I don't know. I mean, yeah. you're not going to know that until the playoffs because the Leafs have been pretty good in the regular season. They've had to fight through some injuries, some contract woes the past couple of years. Who knows when the Mitch Marner circus will end? Hopefully for all involved, it's like 5 not days December, from now. Yeah. yeah, 5 days from now because we then we podcast about it soon after, That's right? right. <laughs> Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow would Not be the worst tomorrow. day. Yeah. He's
1: signing tonight. He's yeah, signing, tonight. He's He's tonight.
0: He's signing he yeah. right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just, there isn't a lot of candidates right now. I got a name, and I guess we could cut it up as the hot take,
1: the so desirable hot take. That, Do it. Uh, um, John Cooper. Yeah. If, if Tampa stumbles out of the gate, I get the extension. I get that. He's been great for that franchise. But if for some reason with all that talent, if you're 500 at the end of November, it's not going to be 500 at the end of November. But I'm no. just saying. <laughs> I'm That's just how saying. remote
0: this is. It's yeah. it's
1: it's ridiculous. But I'm just yeah. saying, it, 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 there, is, there is a bit of a hot seat. And if you want to call it a hot seat, it's not for the regular season. They're going to get the regular season. Yeah, it. yeah. They might beat last year's record. They, yeah. This might be a better team. We'll, oh, we're going to get into reason why next, but but if they stumble and especially like Babcock too, if they, if Boston ends up winning the Atlantic, right, you could see the two coaches fired. <laughs> yeah, easily. Yeah. So that that would be the one guy um, who I would see. I had Maurice as well. Um, but I really, I'm like you. I don't see. Anybody getting the axe before the All Star game?
0: No. I I, I agree. And the only other name I would think of would be like Bruce Boudreaux, but. It's not his fault that Minnesota's roster is in the state. It's and he's done not. the best he can. Yeah, so yeah. Tortorella? It's not his fault he lost. No. Well players I, love I, him though.
1: Actually kind of might be his fault. He lost some free agents, but ah.
0: <laughs> he doesn't Never control
1: know. he doesn't control the money. Yeah. Um uh, Metachic. Uh,
0: how safe is Mark Bergman's job after his off season? I feel it's pretty safe, and the main reason is because of what we were just talking about. Ryan Paling, Nick Suzuki. Mm-hmm. We're getting to the point where the next generation are starting to peek through in Montreal, and you still have some decent talent there. Your Max Domi's, your Jonathan Drouin's. You got your veterans like Shea Weber and Carey Price. I think Bergevin's pretty safe because, personally, I see light at the end of the tunnel. This is a team that hasn't had legit centers for years and years and years. Now we're starting to see the prospects come up and we see the potential. And I like the fact that there's going to be competition. Maybe Jesperi Kakanyemi is not the number one center. Maybe he's the number one winger. If Ryan Paling and Nick Suzuki turn out, that's fine. Maybe Kakanyemi turns into your number one center and you put Suzuki on a wing so Paling can be on the second line. Or, hey, if you find somebody else... You know, you have Paling as your third line center, as your shutdown guy in five years, and you're laughing because you'll have one of the best shutdown centers Mm -hmm. in the league. Um, So I think it's pretty safe because I, I don't think the expectations are too high in Montreal. Like, they could be a playoff team. It could maybe not be a playoff team. I I think they're pretty they're right realistic there with there.
1: Florida for that four spot. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. They could they could make some noise if they miss. Uh, that's all right. So I I think right now I think he's in a better position now than he was last year. Uh, I think the reason the question is being asked
1: though is is twofold: is a they didn't do a lot, right? And the one thing they really tried to do didn't look very good.
0: It's very true, but I have to imagine that. Berge Van had talked to Jeff Molson before he made the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. And they went over it and they, you know, they had the possibilities laid out. It's calculated risk. Didn't pan out. I'll I left. think it just because it,
1: it, it was laughable. You know, the way it was just, it was never not going to get matched. Right. So it's almost like it, it, the perception, at least from what I've seen and read, is that the agent kind of used them as a bit of a pawn in this thing. I mean, totally. really, was there ever? There was never a chance they were going to get this guy. And yeah, okay. They're, they're, I mean, and Tom Dundon is not an idiot. And right. with twenty-four million or whatever the upfront was, pocket change. Pfft. Yeah, guy shakes that off of his shoulders like just so. Yeah. It, I, I think that that's the reason is people are wondering, you know, if the if the young guys don't pan out, then you got a problem. Then <laughs> like, yeah, yeah uh keenan kanama whoa uh what value free agent signing will be the biggest surprise with their new team we're not going to do just one because we're not going to do just one we go deep we go deep we go 2 <laughs> um Each. i'll start off with this one go for um it. <laughs> the, the name that jumped right to the front of my mind was kevin lebank
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> a million bucks you can't get better value than that yeah we were talking about it before we went on. I was like, ah, I don't know if that counts because you're a restricted free agent. Yeah. But I think Joe Thornton needs to, if Joe Thornton re-signs in San Jose, he needs to buy Kevin LeBanc a car.
1: <laughs> for those of you don't know a Kevin nice LeBanc, Kevin LeBanc is probably a player who's worth four and a half, five yes. on a long term deal. Yes. He signed for a million bucks. Yeah. A million bucks. Very team friendly. That's, and I, you know what, honestly, we talked about it actually. I can't remember if it was last week or maybe the week before, about organizations you respect. Mm. Um, and I think it was when we were talking about teams that players wanted to and didn't want to sign right, with. right? And San Jose being a team. And that speaks to the organization that they've got in San Jose.
0: Yes, it does.
1: That that, that a guy like that is willing to take that risk yeah. and and um, you know sign for a million bucks for one deal. The other guy who I thought is a great signing was Kevin Shattenkirk in Tampa. And this is what I was saying earlier about Tampa even being a better team. Because mm. I think Kevin Shattenkirk was just not a good fit in New York. New York was a terrible team. Kevin Shattenkirk is a guy who needs talent to succeed. Mm. What does Tampa have? They got talent. Unbelievable amount of talent. Uh, so I think he's going to be a great addition at a million and a half.
0: Mm. So on that same kind of tip, making a million and a half dollars himself with his new team, the Dallas Stars. I'm going with Andreas Sakara. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a player that didn't work out in Edmonton. They bought him out, so obviously he was a little bit cheaper for the Stars than he might have been. Oh, Edmonton. You need much. defensemen. What are you doing? I know. <laughs> now, you know, I, I don't know how much hockey Sakara has left, but I do think that he can be very helpful to this Dallas Stars team in the immediacy, yeah. especially when... He doesn't need to log big minutes. Doesn't need big minutes. to be your second power play unit. He can move the puck up the ice. You've got Klingberg. You've got Heskin in. You know, Lindell's more of a, a defensive guy, but I think Sakara can be a, a very positive influence there. He can give you some minutes. He can probably get you some points still. And for a million and a half, can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. How about Corey
1: Perry in Dallas as well? That's intriguing, Another too. Other good signing.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, that's one of those like low-risk... I don't know if it's low reward or medium reward, because it's like I don't think Corey Perry's gonna get forty again. But if he got
1: goals or points.
0: Either. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Goals. <laughs> goals, yeah. Um, but if he got you 20 goals, that's, that's great. F- absolutely. For the bargain basement 100%. price you have. Yeah. Um the other player I was thinking of was, was Noel Achari. Um, signed with Florida for one point six. And I mean, this is not like a marquee player or anything like this, but this is a guy that... He really helps you win I thought it was great for Boston in the playoffs last year on their run all the way to the final and for a team like Florida where you've got some nice talent up front he gives you a different look this is a gritty guy I mean he's easier he's a fourth liner maybe third liner at best but gives you an honest effort he can do a lot of different things out there and I, I think he can be valuable in that sense and so it's not so much the dollar amount so much as it is florida got him i don't mm-hmm. think they were the only team that was interested in nola so good for the panthers for grabbing a guy that will give them some value in a different way other than just scoring goals
1: i think we'll wrap it up there i uh, should have mentioned off the top this is uh, maybe the last week we'll have the um uh, less than ideal studio situation in here we're just uh, building as we speak we're doing construction actually just before um we filmed today's podcast so if you're listening none of this will make any sense at all but if you're watching uh, you're probably wondering why we're sitting in front of a white, white wall. Won't be that way next week, hopefully. Right. Um, and I think Kenny might be back next week. Is he going to be back next week? He might be at the he might be at the showcase the uh, in Chicago. And uh, but Maddie, who's just sick today, he'll be back next week. Maddie feel better. Uh, to all the people who mailed in questions, thanks so much. We appreciate you taking the time to write in. And to all those listening, we really appreciate you listening. And we'll uh, listen or listen to you. We'll either uh, see you. Mm -hmm. or hear from you or have you hear from us uh, next week. We'll talk to you. Thanks so much for listening, guys.